Hi, this is Jim Swilly. Welcome to Metron Live. Metron is a Greek word that means sphere of influence. I believe in living your best life possible, and that's the reason for this podcast. This is my Metron. Now let me help you discover yours. I have a good word for you today. You know, when I started doing the 11-11s at night, uh, you know, I said, I said, you know, the conventional wisdom is don't do this every day because you'll run out of material. And uh, uh, you want to... Oh, thank you, Pam. Um, you won't have anything to say on Sunday. I said, that's not the way the gift works. The gift is actually like an artesian well. And the more you, the more you plumb it, the more... Uh, <laughs> bish Benji, that's a good one. Ed, it's got jokes. Um, but the more you uh, tap into the gift, the more there is there. The more you stimulate that gland, that spiritual gland, the more it produces. So, um, and, and, and I'm not worried about, worried about overexposure. I mean, it's like, I look at people like Jimmy Fallon and Steve Harvey, and the more stuff they're on, the bigger their audience gets. Kim Kardashian's not worried about overexposure, so I guess I'm not going to be worried about it either. Hey, Leslie. Um, oh, thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate it. It's kind of a it's kind of a neat little thing just to say, you know, how was your day and whatever. Thank you to those. I didn't make this requirement, but uh, <laughs> the bish well will not run dry. Y'all are funny. Um, and thanks. Uh, many of you, when you say amen, will send me $11.11. So that, that's really cool. I appreciate that. That's a, that's a little wink and a nod between us to hear... That's you saying, I heard what you said tonight, and I got it. Um, let's, uh, let's do some affirmations. Hey, Gene. Hey, Carl. Um, we're going to... Uh, <laughs> it's too early. <laughs> we can't with you, Ed. All right, we're going we're gonna to ascend up to the I Am, okay? So we're going to start with uh, I Am Peaceful. I Am Peace. I am. Um, I am blessed. I am a blessing. That's when you say it. I am. You say it. I, I motion to me. I say it. I motion to you. You say it. You say it out loud. You put that energy out into the universe. Um, oh, well, that's cool. Uh, that, I, and I think a lot of people watch it the next day, and that's fine as well. It's all good. Um, all right, y'all, stop with the jokes and make the affirmations with me. <laughs> I have created after my own kind. Everybody's got, everybody's got something funny. All right, um, I am whole. I am wholeness. I am. I am healed. I am healing. I am. I am free. Hey, Beth. I am freedom. I am. Um, I am. Hey, Connie Sue, I am strong. I am strength. I am. And then we want to add um, uh, some breath work to it, which we'll be getting into a lot more in Chattanooga. But we're going to go in through the nose and hold it and then out through the mouth, okay? Let's go in. Hold. 
and exhale. Inhale. Exhale. In. Out. This gets you. This gets you into a place of serenity where you're able to more. Uh, the word is more accessible to you. Okay. Sort of clears your clears your mind and gets you prepared uh, to to receive the engrafted word. Okay. Uh, inhale. Exhale. Like I say every week, I love combining the affirmations with the breath work. There's something very empowering about that. Let's do a couple more. In. Out. Inhale. Exhale. Beautiful. I feel you. Um, I speak into this atmosphere and I say, let there be light. In um, Matthew, the 19th chapter, the sun's going out. Good. Um, Matthew, the 19th chapter, Jesus is, uh, he's kind of in the midst of a conversation with Pharisees and disciples, and it, it, there's kind of a stream of consciousness that goes through that part of uh, the gospel. And um, so the Pharisees are constantly throw, trying to throw him a, a legal hardball, hardball question to kind of trip him up. And um, uh, of course, you know, you can never... Yes, exactly. Uh, it's um, you can never trip him up. He's always got a word in season, and you know, Paul said the the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And it's it it's occurred to me as I've watched people progress over the years, the people who are strongly connected to the legal side of God, the the literal, the the um, fundamentalist side, they progress more into rigidity as they get older and exclusion and intolerance and the people who have a relationship with the Holy Spirit I don't think you can have a, an equal relationship with both you're either going to be a spirit person or a word person uh, and when I say that I mean predominantly one or the other you'll either major in the written word and minor in the spirit or you'll major in the spirit and minor in the written word and I've noticed that people who had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, they tend to move more into openness and love and harmony and flowing. Uh, the, the letter people enter more into death. The spirit people enter more into life. Um, the International Standard Version, instead of the, uh, uh, the letter kills, it says the written word kills, but the spirit gives life. The reason I'm bringing that up is in the in Matthew chapter 19, it says the Pharisees, for some reason, throw this question at Jesus about divorce and remarriage. And uh, they said, is it is it um, proper under Moses' law? Because Moses, I mean, bless his heart, Paul got most of his misogyny from Moses. And... Uh, you know, Moses, in his law, treated women not only like property, but kind of like 
dispensable property. And uh, it, it nearly seems like in, um, I'll move up a little bit, in Moses, uh, in Moses' law, it seems like slaves were nearly treated better than, than just wives were. Because um, uh, Moses had this, he came up with this law about a writ of divorcement. And if a man had a wife or a harem of wives, if one of them displeased him, he could just give her a, 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 like a pink slip, like a dis, uh, to serve her dismissal papers. And she was just SOL. I mean, she was just out of luck. Sorry. Um, there was no alimony. There was no child support. There was no visitation on weekends with the children. It was just, you know, your services here are no longer required. And we will be... Um, uh, I will be absorbing the dowry. What did I just do? I will be absorbing the dowry. Wait, what did I just do? I just touched something and it made it blurry. It'll come back. I'm trying to get totally out of the sun. I didn't realize it was going to get bright so quick. I hope you're seeing that clearer than I am because I don't know what I just did. Um, somebody let me know if that picture just got blurry because mine did. Uh, anyway, it, it'll, it'll straighten up in a minute after I'm praising Facebook. It's fine. Okay, good. Thank you, Pam. Okay. Um, sometimes this iPhone responds to heat and it starts... I know, it just got really hot all of a sudden. I'll make sure it's not going to go out on me. Um... Hmm. Let me get under here. I didn't realize I was going to bring the sunshine quite so quick. Anyway, I'll, look, if, if for some reason this overheats and it goes dark, I'll just go downstairs and take up. So just hang on. We're like Israel in the wilderness. We move with the cloud. Anyway, um, when a wife was dismissed, that was, you know, that was it for her. Like, just like, uh, when Sarah got tired of Hagar, uh, she said, cast the bondwoman out, and Abraham did. And, and she just was just out there with Ishmael uh, on their own. That's why when people say, we need to get back to biblical marriage, I think, I don't know, have you read the Bible? Because biblical marriage kind of sucked for women. Anyway, um, so they asked uh, Jesus, they said, was Moses wrong in setting up this writ of a divorcement thing. And, and Jesus says, well, he said, God allowed it at a time because of the hardness of your hearts. But he said, in the beginning, it was not so. He said, in the beginning, God created them male and female. And then he goes on to say, that's why a man will leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife and the two will become one flesh. And then he goes on to say, and that's why a man should not put away his wife except for... Um, except for uh, infidelity. And, and you know, previous to this, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he actually took it further than that, and he said, you've heard it said, do not put your wife away except for adultery, but I say, if you've even committed it in your heart, if you fantasized about it, you've committed it. So Jesus was constantly deconstructing the law and turning it inside out and turning it upside down, which really messed with the Pharisees, because they were totally, the Pharisees were legalistic and they, they were the ancient equivalent of what we would call bible thumpers today 
zealots in, in, in the worst sense of the word. Um, which this always, this doesn't happen now. It hasn't happened in years. But when I first came out, I would get confronted by a lot of people about me telling the truth about myself and they'd be, you know, blasting me with their four verses of scripture. And uh, I would think, why are you even talking to me? Because Jesus didn't say a thing about same-sex relationships, but he said a whole lot about divorce and remarriage. And you're, you know, some of you have been married three, four, five times. Like, I'm thinking y'all probably ought to just leave me out of your your critiques. But anyway, um, people who are legalistic lack the ability to be introspective. That's why somebody can be yelling at you about something and you think do you not see the irony in you of all people yelling at me but they don't see that without the holy spirit being predominant in their thought processes they all they can think about is just straightening you out according to their biases not they don't think about themselves uh when you're legalistic the pot never caused the kettle black but anyway um so Jesus says, uh, he says this whole thing about um, divorce, and uh, and he, you know, he talks about if you if you get divorced or remarried, you're you're ca you're causing the other person to commit adultery. And so the disciples, at this point, the Pharisees were out of the conversation, and the disciples say, well, then wouldn't it be better to not even get married at all if it's that complicated, and you know, you, there's no um, there's no um, promise of uh, fidelity or monogamy. I mean, who knows what goes on with people? Like, why even get married? And um, Jesus says this thing, it's in verse 11. Uh, and I was thinking about, because today's 9-11, it's the, it's the uh, 21st anniversary of the... Of the uh, attacks on the Trade Center and the um, Pentagon and the plane that was taken down in Pennsylvania. And this uh, verse is Matthew 19, 11. Um, because 9-11 was very much about legalism coming from a Muslim mindset. The idea that the people who, who perfectly interpret the Quran are blessed of God are the ones who do not worship Allah, they're uh, the devil. And and so, um, and, and you know, some people say, well, Christians never did what Muslims did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> if you've ever, go read about the Spanish Inquisition or the Crusades. The Christians, they just didn't use airplanes to do it, but Christians uh, murdered just as many people as Muslims did. Well, Christian fundamentalists, the people who were chained to the word instead of married to the spirit um so in verse 11 of chapter 19 he says something really interesting you know jesus was prone to say things like um i have many other things to tell you now but you're not able to bear them i mean he, he was um, not constantly but on many occasions letting his listeners know I'm not telling you everything you need to know right now because, frankly, you just can't handle it. Uh, I'm just going to have to sort of spoon feed you this until you get to a place of maturity where you can really eat 
what Peter called the meat of the word. Okay. And he says in verse 11, um, it says, Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it is given. Not everyone can accept this word, comma, but only those to whom it is given. Matthew 19, 11, Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it is given. And he goes on for the rest of the verse to, he uses the word eunuch, E-U-N-U-C-H. Um, a eunuch, by definition, in ancient times, was a man who had been castrated so that he was no longer a sexual threat. He was no longer preoccupied with sex. And uh, many times uh, men who became slaves were made eunuchs so that uh, they could be trusted around the harem or trusted around the master's wives and not be afraid that somebody was going to be assaulted or whatever. Um, women who were like queens and that, that sort of thing were were usually guarded by eunuchs. They were men who still had uh, the muscular strength of a male, but didn't have the sexual appetite of a male. And uh, so this is, when Jesus says this about eunuchs, he's really, here's the thing about when Jesus spoke. He would always be talking about one thing, but he's really talking about something much bigger. Like he would use a specific thing as a provocative, um, point of interest but the principle that he's sharing is much bigger it's called holistic teaching okay and uh, he says he says not everybody can receive accept this word but only those to whom it is given and then he explains the word he says some men are born eunuchs some are made eunuchs by men and some become eunuchs for the will of God now um, I, I addressed this in my um, last book, which is available on Amazon.com and JimSwillyBooks.com. It's called First the Good News, The Positive Truth About God, the Gospel, and What It Really Means to Be Gay. Because a lot of people have asked me, was Jesus talking about gay men in Matthew 19? I don't believe he was talking about gay men per se. I don't think that's specifically what he was talking about. But the principle is the same. Even though that wasn't exactly what he's talking about, his words were applicable, okay? Because he's basically saying, you're trying to define marriage, sexuality, gender roles, all these things by your, uh, by the de your own personal definition. And he said, you don't understand, not everybody feels this way. He says, not everybody not everybody is sexual and this has nothing to do with LGBT whatever just some people are just asexual some people are non-binary some some people are gender fluid uh, some people sex is uh, and procreation is low priority with them for whatever reason um, he said some people decide not to get married just because they want to be committed to God you know Paul believed that Jesus was going to come back in bodily form in his lifetime so strongly that he told people he don't even get married because Jesus is coming back so soon uh, there's no point in you even be, being preoccupied with marriage 
course, now that was nearly 2,000 years ago. If, if Paul could come today, he would say, oh, sorry, my bad. I should have told y'all to get married. Y- y'all are the second coming. It's not an event. Uh, you know, I was wrong. Uh, now I realize it's y'all. But he didn't know that then. Paul was walking in the light that he had at that time. Um, but Jesus, he uses, basically, when he talks about eunuchs here in the rest of, uh, it's in chapter in chapter 19, verse 12. Verse 11, he says, not everybody can receive this word only to those to whom it is given. Then in verse 12, he begins to explain eunuchs, but really, in a larger sense, he's deconstructing the definition of sexuality and marriage and relationships, and he's basically saying, you see marriage one way because of your sexual orientation, because of your concept of gender. He said, but not everybody sees it the way that you do. And that's why you can't judge it. And then he ends verse 12. In verse 13, he goes on and starts talking about something else. The first 12 verses of Matthew 19 are all about this. And he ends verse 12 by saying, the one who can accept this should accept it. The one who can accept it should accept this. Now, um, you know, when somebody says, um, when somebody says, um, the Bible is very clear about so-and-so. I think you're very limited in your understanding of the Bible because the Bible is not very clear about a lot of things. Because just when you think the Bible is clear on one point, there's another writer because it's not a book. It's a collection of books. It's called Biblia, Bibliotech, the library. It's a library of books compiled by different uh, writers in different parts of history to different people groups, basically Israel, but different uh, incarnations of Israel, uh, who are saying very different things for very different reasons. And um, that's why, I, when, I, when I refuse to argue with somebody about the Bible, it's not that I can't win the argument. On the contrary, I can argue all night long. I can just, I can argue you down. I can beat you down and argue you until you finally just wave the flag of surrender. It's still not going to win your heart. And it's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. I used to do it. I don't do it now. Because if you throw a verse at me that says, yeah, what about so-and-so? I can throw seven back at you to say, yeah, well, what about this? Now, here's the reason. This is not a teaching on gender and sexuality. I'm using this as a reference point to say not everybody reads the word the same way. Not everybody interprets it the same way. It's not given to everybody the same way. That's why you can't really judge somebody in their walk. Some people, like I know people who are just frankly, people that I love that are just frankly too immature and unsophisticated for me. And I don't mean this to sound condescending. I'm just saying it would be pointless for me to engage in a biblical um, argument with them because they're just frankly not, they're just not um, prepared for it. It's like um, one of my favorite lines back in the 70s that uh, that show Marcus Welby, MD, when the young Dr. Kiley played by um, uh, James Brolin, he's arguing with Dr. Welby played by uh, uh, Robert Young and uh, Young says uh, 
I'm not going to exchange insults with you, doctor. It would be like dueling with an unarmed man. And I'm like, that, now that's some shade right there. To say, I could I could get involved with this, but you're... You're you're too green. You're too much of a novice. You're like I'm. I'm mercifully opting out of this argument. Okay. And and furthermore, back in the day when I did argue the scriptures, I would have people who would say, "Well, I guess you're right. That is what the Bible say." But I still think so and so. And I would think, well, I you know I didn't really persuade you one way or the other. Legalism is, is it's really weird. Religious legalism uh, is a, a form of dementia that can't be argued with. Like, I, you know, when my dad had dementia, I learned not to try to explain things to him because it only stressed him out. I just learned to uh, uh, just when he would say something, I would just uh, I would just agree with him because when I would try to tell him, make him snap into his right mind, it, it just it angered him or frustrated him or whatever. And people who are, who practice bibliolatry have a type of dementia that you just need to, when the scripture says comfort the feeble-minded, I mean that, and, and I'm not trying to be snarky when I say that, but they really are feeble-minded. And you just have to agree with your adversary quickly and say that that's right. Like I, I got to a place where I had so many people tell me I was going to hell that I thought, well, okay, I guess I'm going to hell. I guess I'll get mine. So, you know, there's really, you can really save all your letters that you're writing me over and over again. And uh, I've had Romans 1 cut and pasted to me about 3,500 to 5,000 times. And like, I'm, I'm very familiar with those scriptures. I mean, I've been preaching for 50 years, but okay, I got it. Just, just pray for me. <laughs> um, and just move away from it because it's a it's pointless or it's like arguing with a two-year-old it's like they're they have a two-year-old logic that you are they're not going to reach maturity through an argument they're going to reach maturity through process if they respond to process appropriately now why am i saying all this all right um queen elizabeth died Longest reigning monarch in uh, the history of the British monarchy, maybe the second largest, the second longest reign in history, I think, definitely the longest in uh, the history of Great Britain, in the UK. And, um, you know, <laughs> uh, social media is interesting because people have such completely different responses to things and uh, I read different people's responses and sometimes I think well you know that's a valid point and that's a valid point sometimes I think yeah that's a valid point but it may be too soon uh, but whatever I mean it's it's a free country and you're you're allowed to express your opinion about something um, I've read some things that are just downright ludicrous like she's the She's the um, secret leader of the Illuminati. And, you know, if people, if people believe in things like the Illuminati and QAnon and Deep State and the Earth is flat and all that kind of stuff, if, if they've chosen to believe that kind of nonsense, you just need to just love them where they are. Because when, you, when somebody's in mental illness like that, the more you argue with them, the more they double down. And they think, oh, well, you're... 
you're just you're just one of them. That's why if you're going to manipulate a people group, the first thing you want to do is um, is ostracize the the uh, fourth estate, the the free press, and start calling them the enemy. If you, it's 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 the way dictators have done all through history. When you read, the first thing they do is say that you know don't believe the press, don't believe what you read, don't believe what you see. Um, you know the press is out to get me there. It's fake news. I mean, it's just it's so typical. Like every dictator uh, down through history has done it. First thing they do is they invalidate the news so that when you say, yeah, but I saw this, they'll say what, you, what you're seeing is not what you're really seeing. So if somebody's in that, you just got to love them unconditionally because you can't, you cannot, they, they're, they're allergic to logic. You, you, you cannot reason with them. So um, I don't argue with people. And sometimes, like for instance, yesterday, there, uh, we were about to go, Ed was in town, we're about to go meet him for lunch. And I was watching some of the coverage of the uh, the funeral stuff. For better, for worse, I watch all that stuff. If there's anything about the Kennedys or the Kennedy assassination, I always watch that. I always watch stuff about the royal family. Uh, I'm not British. I'm not even defending the monarchy. It's just something from a historical uh, vantage point that I'm interested in. I always have been. I, I love history. I usually watch anything about the Vietnam War, anything about the Civil War. And um, Prince uh, William and his brother Prince Harry have been um, uh, alienated for, you know, various reasons. And then suddenly there was this shot of both of them with both of their beautiful wives out greeting the people and looking at the flowers. And just looking at that, I, I thought, oh, that's... That's cool. I, I like that. Like, I'm not getting into who said what about Megan or Oprah's interview or what. I, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something that I believe about families. That's not always practice. Believe me, I've been doing funerals forever. This is not always the case. My feeling is whatever drama is going on in the family, when somebody, when there's a wedding or a funeral, but especially, well, either, but especially when a loved one dies, Y'all need to put all your nonsense aside and come together and, and just have a moment of grace and grieve together. So just that image of the two couples, you know, both the princes are handsome and their wives are beautiful. And whatever you say about the monarchy and the history of colonization, all that, I, I, I take your point. I probably don't even disagree with you. I'm just saying I'm looking at that from a family's standpoint. And I think, oh, well, that's cool. I'm glad for this time they were able to come together and mourn their grandmother because after their mother died in a car wreck, you know, the grandmother became even more important to them. And nobody was arguing with me about that. I mean, I, I gave all my disclaimers. I said, I'm not, I'm not defending colonization. But I will say this, and colonization doesn't happen now. There's, there's no, you know, there was a time, uh, they used to say the sun never sets on the British Empire. And it's because... Great Britain had had uh, principalities and countries under their rule and realms literally all over the planet, like the whole uh, nation of India, uh, many African nations, Caribbean nations, the, the American colonies, Canada and Australia, which still are part of the Commonwealth. Sometime back, it, it, 
ceased to be an empire and now is a commonwealth. And a commonwealth means any of the countries, I forget how many it is now, but any of the countries who are still a part of the commonwealth, they're, they are that voluntarily. Uh, and they can leave at any time. That's why you'll notice when any of these princes go to one of the realms, when they make a speech, they will always say something like, whatever you decide to do in your future. Like, for instance, if, if tomorrow Canada said, all right, now that Queen Elizabeth's dead, we don't want to be part of the Commonwealth. We don't like King Charles III, so we're pulling out. The UK is not going to send um, armies over to fight. There's going to be no uh, British-Canadian war. It's like if Canada wants to pull out, they can pull out, and it's everybody's there of their own volition. The, the, the uh, Commonwealth is kind of the same principle as uh, uh, NATO, like you're, you're in it because you want to be in it. And um, so I can, I can look at the situation with the Queen. I'm sure, knowing me, I'll probably watch. If I'm at home, I'll probably watch all of it. I always watch all the weddings, all the funerals. I'm not telling you to. I'm not defending that I do. I'm not making some statement for European dominance. I'm saying that's a part of the world. It's a part of history that I'm interested in. And, yeah, I probably will watch all of that. And you're entitled to your opinion about it. And I, I don't, I'm, don't feel strongly enough to even argue with you about it. Um, is the monarchy irrelevant? I don't know. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not British. I, you'd have to ask the people of the United Kingdom if they, you know, if they want to continue that. Because it can be argued that had it not been for the reign of Queen Elizabeth, the monarchy would have been over with a long time ago. And many people say it cost, it cost the country too much in um, taxes to maintain it. It's a valid point. Listen, there's something called cognitive dissonance. And it means that you can hold two thoughts, two opposing thoughts at the same time. It, it, it's not what, you know, when James talks about a double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways, that, he's talking about something else. The double mind is when you can't make up your mind about your own decisions that you're going to make. When it, when it comes to just looking at just about anything, there's parallel realities to it. Like on the day of Pentecost, Peter stands up and he rebukes the, uh, his listeners for uh, executing Jesus. He said, you killed an innocent man. And King James says he upbraids them. He rakes them over the coals. Uh, and in the next breath, he says, and it happened exactly as God intended for it to. So that you've got, th those are two nearly completely opposing thoughts. I'm rebuking you for something that I'm saying is the will of God. Um, you have to be intelligent to be able to hold two thoughts. That's why when when white people are afraid of of uh, whether whether you want like a lot of things get called um, critical race theory now that's not really critical race th theory is particularly a study that came out of an Ivy League school in the 80s that was it was just a thesis about about exploring if the court system the judicial system was stacked against people of color now people use CRT 
as just across the board teaching about slavery and whatever. And it's unfortunate because people, everybody, black and white people, need to know the full um, history of this country. Like some people say, well, I, white kids shouldn't be made to feel bad about slavery. Yeah, they should. They should. Nobody's saying they're responsible for it, but they should be able to read that with some detachment and say, wow, that's really horrible that our ancestors did this and we should know about it. Because if you don't know about certain things, history is prone to repeat itself. And let me tell you, there's a lot of stupidity out there. I was just scrolling through my um, feed this morning. There was some guy, he might have been from The Daily Show. And sometimes The Daily Show will go out on the street and ask people political questions and you can't believe at first their responses are funny and then it just gets depressing when you see how unbelievably stupid people are and this guy from the daily show was out interviewing people about 9-11 and he said uh, he asked this one guy white kind of redneck guy he says um he says well, what do you think uh how do you think uh barack obama was responsible for 9-11 and the guy says, yeah, well, he's probably out on the golf course again, never where he's supposed to be, just like always, probably always asleep at the wheel. You know, if he hadn't been president, we probably wouldn't have had 9-11. And then he says, well, now, you know, Obama wasn't president in 2001. And he said, the guy goes, oh, he wasn't? Oh, well, then my bad. And I thought, man, that right there in microcosm, that's the problem is that people are pontificating about stuff they don't even have the facts on. Um, so you can have, like I can, um, I can sell, I can, like I'm patriotic. I can, I can read the um, uh, words of the Constitution. I can read Thomas Jefferson's words. Uh, I can read between the lines and the preamble to the Constitution that says, uh, we the people in order to form a more perfect union, meaning even they knew this, is, this isn't perfect yet. We're always gonna be perfecting this. This is why we're gonna have Mat Madisonian type of checks and balances in governments and have three branches. And it's gonna keep us from having fascism. And um, uh, so I can, I can look at those things and you can say, hey, you know those those framers of the Constitution, uh, most of them were slave owners, and I can say, yeah, I know. They sure were. And that that's why there had to be a civil war. You know, Abraham Lincoln said, we of all people, if we embrace slavery, it's gonna invalidate everything we said this American experiment was for. And it took them a while for, you know, to overthrow slavery and we still have the effects of it so so I can celebrate the 4th of July and I'm also aware of Frederick Douglass's famous treatise about treatise about why the black man why should the black man celebrate July 4th and I think touche it's a fair point if I were a black man I might not celebrate it either and I can hold both those thoughts I can say yeah I'm I'm gonna celebrate it and I'm gonna watch a fireworks show and I'm also aware that not everybody has the same 
view of America of patriotism that I do, and that's the amazing thing about this country, is I can allow for your understanding of things and even accept it and understand that if I were you, I might be feeling the same thing, and I don't have to yell at you for not um, celebrating the way that I am. I get it. I understand you and I are coming from two different paradigms, so we have two different experiences, and it, it, it's this constant balancing act. And let me tell you, it's the only way you're going to be able to live in the real world. Like every, I hear this every year when there's a, uh, a new election coming up. I've already seen people post this. I've already seen people on the, on the uh, left say, oh my God, if Donald Trump runs for president again, I'm going to leave this country. And I think, no, you're not. You said this. You said that last time. You're not going anywhere. And I read uh, uh, people of color say, oh, my God, if the white supremacists do this, so I'm leaving and going to Africa. I'm like, no, you're not. You're not going anywhere. Because as, as much as we complain about it, we don't want to be anywhere else. And you're, you have to get to a place where you can say, yes, these are real facts about this. And we should teach history in its completion. We should teach about the Holocaust so that there's not a, a, a uprising of Nazism and anti-Semitism. All of it, and some of it, yeah, it makes us sad. You're not supposed to read history and go, la, 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 everything was great. No, it wasn't. It doesn't mean you just want to throw it all away. It means you want to keep working to make it a more perfect union. And you can hold two thoughts at the same time. Like, um, I recently watched, like I've always been a big Paul Newman fan. I, I love Paul Newman and thought he was really cool and handsome and all of that. We just, Cool Hand Luke was on Night Before Last, and I ended up watching that again. Um, but they just did this, um, Ethan Hawke did this six-part series, I think it's on HBO. It's called The Last Movie Stars, and it's a, it's a docu-series about Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. And it's very, I mean, it's very clear-eyed about how he left his first wife and family for Joanne Woodward, and it was tra traumatic for her. And the the uh, the children all they don't, they don't hate their father, who has passed away years ago. But they said no, we we want the whole story to be told, and it's very it's very well done because it tells the whole story. Yes. Paul Newman and Joanne Wood were, were this Hollywood power couple, were both great. She was actually a famous actress before he was a famous actor. And yeah, that they were a Hollywood famous iconic couple. And they were also the product of adultery and a broken marriage. How can both things be true? Because they are. In legalism, everything is either or. In the spirit, everything is yes and. Uh, was it a horrible thing that Paul Newman left his wife and traumatized his children? Yeah, absolutely. Are you ever going to watch a Paul Newman movie again? Yeah, that's my decision. If you say, I can't watch that guy's movies because of what he did, well, namaste. I, I respect that. Um, it's, you know, that, that's, this is something that we're, we're navigating through all the time. And I'll tell you this. The more people get found out in scandals and stuff who are like famous, like when you find out Bill Cosby uh, was an admitted rapist, do you still watch the Cosby show in syndication? 
I don't know. That's your choice. Some people can. Some people can't. I can't make a rule. Jesus says to them, not everybody can accept this word, but to them that it is given. Some people can watch that and say, I understand Cliff Huxtable is a character, and that's a very well-made show, one of the best sitcoms in history. So I can compartmentalize that, and my watching it, in my mind, is not uh, condoning sexual assault and rape. Other people, especially people who have been the victims of rape and sexual assault, can say, can look at it and say, oh, I can't, not me, I can't watch it. Well, fair enough. Nobody's making you watch it. Jesus said, not everybody can accept this word, but to those whom it is given. Um, some people say, I can't listen to Michael Jackson music now because I think, I think he molested children. People have asked me about it. What do you think about it? And I think, I don't know. My gut tells me Michael Jackson was not a gay man. I'm not even sure he was a pedophile. I think he had a very bizarre um, uh, childhood where, you know, as an eight-year-old, he can't even play on a playground because fans are screaming. And so I don't know how I would have grown up if I'd been that way. Does that mean I'm validating a grown man letting boys sleep in his bed? No, uh, that's definitely got a creep factor. Some people say, I can't listen to Michael Jackson anymore. Well, guess what? It's not going to do any damage to, you know, his music. People are still buying it years after he died. Some people can, some people can't. Jesus said, if people think, I mean, no, Paul said, if people think it's wrong um, to eat meat that's been offered to idols, then don't serve it to them. He said, if, if, it, if you can eat it and it doesn't violate your conscience, then go have a steak. It's, 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 it's up to the person. And I tell you this, the more you, um, the more you um, uh, evolve, the less black and white everything is. And, you know, it, it really sounds counterintuitive because some people would say, no, you should get stronger in your convictions as you get older. I disagree. I think if you age properly, you become more empathetic to the convictions of other people so that you can say, I have a certain political persuasion, but I believe in a two-party system. I think there needs to be valid points made on both sides. And sometimes the other side can make a point that I think, well, no, that is that is a valid point. And so there needs to be this balancing that go, goes on. It's funny because right around the corner here, you'll see it the next time you come to Metron. Those of you that come from Conyers and Covington, um, if you come down Boulevard, when, Bo when Boulevard crosses Ponce, it becomes Monroe. And on the corner of Ponce and Boulevard, where there's been a Texaco station for years, it's torn down now, and now they're putting in a Chick-fil-A. Of all things, I'm thinking, and I read last night, there's actually another Chick-fil-A about a mile up the street coming in that's going to be dine-in only, but that one's going to be drive through as well. And, you know, that, <laughs> that intersection there is where all the homeless people are out there with signs knocking on your window and stuff, and I think, oh, man, I don't know. Did Chick-fil-A really do their due diligence about this neighborhood? Because not only are they next door to Popeye's and down the street from Zaxby's, these homeless people, I mean, they're relentless. I was going through the drive-thru at Popeye's once, and from the time I ordered to the time I got to 
the window to pick up my chicken, five, count them, five people had knocked on my window asking, asking for money. So I don't know how Chick-fil-A is going to handle that. But there's this whole other piece because, you know, for years I wouldn't eat at Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A, you know, they, they're anti-gay. And they, uh, Howie and I were talking about it the other day, and Howie says, I never eat there because they, they support um, uh, organizations in Uganda that kill gay people. And fair enough. Yeah, they, they probably do. I didn't eat there for years. And the last couple of years, a couple of times, I, you know, we've been on the road somewhere, and I'll say, all right, I'm going to get a Chick-fil-A sandwich even though I'm ethically opposed to it. Let me just say, in behalf of the LGBTQ community, I'm not condoning the homophobia. I just want a chicken sandwich. Now, some people can't do that. Some people say, well, you're not you're not strong in your convictions. Well, I didn't eat there for years. Give me that. And I'm not saying I'm eating there all the time, but they're moving right in my neighborhood. It may become an issue again. I mean, I don't know. I've driven Lincoln's my entire adult life and Henry Ford was a white supremacist Nazi sympathizer somehow I'm able to you know figure that out look the more you I mean I, I know people that tell me oh, don't don't go to Home Depot go to Lowe's well I understand your point politically Home Depot is just a little closer we went to Home Depot yesterday if you want to observe a certain boycott I respect that I honor that um, so this whole thing about Matthew 19:11 is two things can be true at once. You can say Queen Elizabeth was a great monarch and uh, stayed above the fray and was a great example as a leader and as a as a female leader. You can also say they're horrible skeletons in uh, the closet of the British Empire. How can both those things be true? Because they are. You can say, well, she was a part to it because she she went to the throne. Well, you don't know what you would have done if you'd been in line for the throne. It's so easy for other people to say what they would do in a situation. Maybe you don't know what you would do. What I have learned is I used to know what I would do in certain situations until that situation happened. And I didn't always do what I thought I would have done. So I learned as I got older, you know what? My journey is my journey, and I might not understand yours. And guess what? Both of our journeys can coexist. I can understand your philosophy. I can understand, and there, there's probably going to be some areas of our uh, relationship where we're, we're never going to agree on. That's why, like, one of my favorite verses of Scripture is um, uh, the first chapter of Isaiah, God says, come, let us reason together. Basically, he's saying, come, come talk to me. This idea that God's plan was just to create this big rule book that was supposed to keep everybody in line. Man, if that's your image of God, you've got such a sad God. Um, the bigger God is the God who speaks life and speaks into creation. And yes, there is our consequences for actions and yes there is a place for right and wrong but when Jesus says you've heard it said an eye for an eye but I say if you've even hated your brother you're a murderer basically what he's saying is is well thou shalt not kill but the the definition of murder is a very broad definition there's some people that don't kill somebody's body but they kill their dream they kill their they kill their 
innocence. They kill their joy. I mean, there's there's all kinds of killings that go on. Jesus said, if you hate anybody, you're a murderer. Um, does that mean we should tolerate bigotry and racism and homophobia? No, I'm not saying we should tolerate it. I'm not saying we should just give up the fight in raising people's consciousness. But we also have to be realistic about how much change you can actually bring. Change can happen, but change is very um, incremental and usually is connected to um, personal experience. Like uh, most of the straight people who didn't judge me when I came out are people who had gay people in their family. And they said, you know, I, my uncle's gay, my cousin's gay, whatever. Like, I, I've known them their whole life, and I, I know who they are. Um, th that's why, you know, relationships are important. Relationships can teach you a thousand things that, um, that arguments can't teach you. Does that mean we just give up the fight and say, well, what are you going to do? Racists are always going to be here. No, you're always going to be trying to fight against that. However, you know the best way to fight it? The old saying is, it's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. What you have to do is not just not just let fascism and anti-Semitism and all that horrible stuff run amok. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we have to get a vision of a better world and start creating that. John chapter 1 says the light shines in darkness and the darkness could not overtake it. You know, change comes with not, not by fighting the old, but by creating the new. So, yes, I will speak to social issues now and again, but the main thrust of my ministry is to create a new concept, create something new. And that doesn't mean you ignore uh, the realities of other people. I, you know, last year when I was, especially around the whole George Floyd thing, I was talking a lot about racism and stuff. And I said this on several occasions and I want to reiterate it. Many times when white people say, I don't even see color. It sounds like a, it sounds like a uh, good thing to say, but it's in this case, it's actually, um, a sign of indifference because basically you're saying I don't believe that your experience has been different from mine if we all had been on the same playing field then I would say yes it's fine to say I don't see color like somebody could say I don't care if you're black white blue polka dotted I'm like no I don't like when you say that because have people especially who came from Africa had a different experience in this country absolutely no doubt about it so if I say I don't even see color I'm saying I'm not even interested in knowing about your experience. Now, does that mean I'm going to renounce my country and and not celebrate it? No, I love this country. Let me let me tell you what will help you love this country. Travel around the world a little bit. See what I love foreign travel. I've done a lot of it. And you know, later on in my life I'll probably do some more. But I've never come back to America that I didn't want to just fall on the ground and kiss it. So, um, you know, you can talk about how much you hate it. You're not in a big hurry to go anywhere else. So we're all here 
trying to form a more perfect union and understanding, you know, Jesus ends this verse 12 by saying, let him who can accept it, accept it. There are some of you that will hear what I'm saying right now that can't accept this because you're still in the back of your mind saying, yeah, but the Bible says, like, I know it does, baby. Yeah, it, it, it definitely does. Like somebody could walk in. Moses could come up to me and say, it's an abomination for a man to lie with a man as with a woman. And I'd be like, well, I'm sure Moses, from your heterosexual viewpoint and wanting to propagate the population of the Israelites, I can see why you would call it an abomination. Not understanding why you're calling shrimp an abomination and blended fabrics and me shaving the side of my face. I mean, you were kind of you're kind of free with the A word there, Mo. But um, but I you know I, I get it from your vantage point. I, I see why you couldn't see that. So that's why Jesus used the um, the the concept of eunuchs to say not everybody understands this, but other people have very fluid ideas of being binary or being gender or even sexuality. Well, the Bible says men should be men and women should be women. No, the Bible didn't say that. Prince said that in a song. Um, Diamonds and Pearls. I think that was the song. So anyway, uh, that's my teaching. And um, I'm sticking by it. I'm going to go read your comments because it looks like y'all are talking about a lot of stuff. Uh, hope to see you on October 2nd. Uh, go ahead and sign up or at least just join the the um, uh, group it's scroll up to the top of my page look at the cover photo join the group uh, and just see what happens because you might need to make a plan to go to this one it's gonna be really good and um, I'll probably be back on tomorrow night at 11 11 p.m. thank you to those of you who support the ministry if you want to do that go to uh bishinthenow.com it's super easy to do that you can click right on and, and uh it'll draft your account directly if you want to give to me directly i've got uh all the cash apps including my paypal and my previous paypal that <laughs> i have to sometimes I have to log out of one and into the other if you can use the newer one that's more convenient but i'll take it shoot i'll drive to your house and pick it up but um, uh, I want you to have a great day and enjoy yourself. I speak all good gifts from the Father of Lights into your life today. Peace.